Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special live edition of Mindfulness of Doom. Welcome to Mindfulness of Doom, a podcast about life, peaceful living, and existential dread. You're not lost. Everyone's faking it. And the purpose of life is, um, enjoy the show. And we are now live, uh, so we'll take a couple of moments and let people join in. Uh, we're about to go live with Corey Hardiker. He's my... Uh, partner on the podcast Mindfulness of Doom. Uh, so if you happen to be looking for the meaning of life and uh, who isn't, if you're still in that phase, definitely um, definitely stick around for this conversation because you may find some of the answers you've been looking for. Hey, man. Hello. Hi. Brian. <laughs> how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And and how are you? Good. You are, you are looking, oh, you're looking good. Dude, what, what have you yeah, been doing? Man, thanks. Have you been living in uh, the forest? I have been living in the forest, yes. Uh, although my beard does not indicate that that has been the case. I, it's very freshly trimmed. Right, right, right. It's, it's nice. It's nice. I, I, just, I actually just trimmed myself. I, I had mountain man status, and then no I decided I needed uh, – I had to do an interview recently. So I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trim down from mountain man – I wasn't quite at sea captain – but I, I brought it back down to respectable, uh, you know, hipster 2014. Yeah. Do you end up getting that shirt that has the different levels of beard length and no. like the labels that go along with no, them? No, no. Dude, it's been a while. How, how you been? What's what's going on? What are we doing? Dude, I'm, I'm doing great. So we are, um, we're here in the forest. Uh, I would love for you to come visit. It's absolutely incredible here behind me through this window. We can, I can give you a view of, of, of the village. This is like, we are legitimately in Germany. Oh, look at that. That's nice. Across the street, there's a German pizza restaurant. Yeah. Which is uh, neither it looks German, so German nor Italian. Everything is gray. Yeah, everything's gray. We're, um, in addition to living in the forest, we're also living in a very um, depressing climate. Right. I'm okay with that, right? Like the sunshine comes from within, uh, but I can see how that would be really daunting for a lot of people. Right. It's kind of it's a little bit like um, a little bit like living in England or like the northeast of the United States, where it's just kind of cold and damp uh, during the winters. Yeah, I am there now. Yeah, you are very, very much there now. Uh, I don't know. Is is Maryland considered? New England? No, it's not that far north. No. No, New England is past New York. This is yeah. like central, the middle colonies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. I've, I mean, I was born in Florida. I grew up there, uh, like as you know. Uh, and so yes. I, everything north of the Mason-Dixon just kind of confuses me. I don't know. <laughs> but, okay, so, so let's back up a second because... We have uh, live viewers and people who may not know our connection here. And so um, I just wanted to uh, quickly say welcome to everybody who's watching and everyone who's going to be listening. Because this, my friends, is the two-year anniversary episode of Mindfulness of Doom. Mindfulness of Doom. Brian, this literally is our two-year anniversary of doing Mindfulness of Doom. Yeah, man. We're, so we've, in that time, we've produced 43 episodes together, and it's been an amazing journey. 44? 
How many? This will be 45. We've done this 44. Is... Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah so this is... This is our 45th episode. We're, we're going to turn this Instagram live call into our 45th episode where we're experimenting with the logistics of the technology of transferring between IG live video and we're, we've got our, our microphones going uh, at the same time, just in case. Should we cut the small talk and get to the important things in life? I think so. As much as I love the small talk, right? Like there's, there's a little bit of background here. Corey, you and I have known each other for a few years now. We've, we've gone into creating um, a really, um, a really dark and funny podcast together about the existence of, you know, human life. Like what, like what are we doing here? Which is exactly what we got together to talk about today. Um, and six months ago, you moved to Maryland. I moved to Germany. And we haven't seen each other in that time, but yet so much has, like, we've grown so much in that time and we've, we've pursued different paths and different things. And part of what I'm up to now is I'm launching my brand as Inner Sensei and we're in the process of creating an online course in mindfulness and life purpose. And life purpose tends to be one of the most common interests of the students that I work with. Uh, many of us are just going through life feeling lost like we've been set up for some sham if you think about it you spend the first 18 plus years of your life if if you have that privilege to go to school and learn what you memorize some facts you get some basic skills not even people skills but like fill in the blank skills or multiple choice skills and then right. what? You're supposed to get a job. Yeah, and, if and that I, doesn't get, work I get where out, you're coming from. There's that there's that gimmick where you are promised something uh, that doesn't really pan out the way that you were told it would pan out. And, and I and I get that feeling. I get that. I understand that there's that there's that ex what the expectation versus what is what you end up experiencing tends to be something far removed from you know actual reality just like when people say oh you know that that school and real life aren't the same but i i completely disagree on this point because i i i am a firm a, a fervent advocate of education <clears throat> uh of all types whether autodidacticism where you're teaching yourself or whether you're like me and you you thrive in structure and someone else's structure and you, you need to go through that. You go through the university system or you study or you go on your own, you do Skillshare, you do uh, Coursera or, you know, whatever, uh, Khan Academy, whether, you, you know, however you're learning through YouTube, EDU, you know, <laughs> um, and I, I think that those things are, are extremely beneficial for people. And I, I don't mean to, you know, put down education, but, but you are right. I think it does occur that the expectation doesn't meet the experience. And oftentimes I, I think we find ourselves uh, at, at sort of a dichotomy between uh, to continue the alliteration uh, between our, our Dharma and our Tao being in disalignment. Yeah. You, you, you have a way of living uh, an idea that, that says, okay, this is how I'm supposed to live my life. And then you find yourself not actually living the way that you think that you should and then your perceived image of yourself and your the observations that you are making about your life get so far removed from each other that you really start to suffer. You really start to say, "Oh, what am I doing here?" And I, I feel lost, or you know, is this who I am anymore? Um, and a little yeah. bit of that existentialism that comes through for some of us, not everybody. Some people are very self assured, and they don't have uh, any kind of issues with that until later when there's a big upset and they're 
the carpet gets pulled out from under their feet and then they find that, oh, they were fired or they were dumped or um, they, they find themselves disillusioned with what is happening in their lives. And suddenly they're suffering in a way that they did not expect. And yeah. I think that's where you and I have kind of thrived in that that market of doom of, of we're like, oh, my God, <laughs> what does it all mean? And why, you know, you're having that that kind yeah. of anxiety about your life. And so that's what we do is we kind of help people who are in those stages of their development. And, you know, it's it's not a linear path and you kind of weave in and out of it. Yeah. And this is the sort of thing where we're, we go through the motions of living an expectation that we don't realize is an expectation in the first place. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was like three years old and I was launched into the realm of preschool for the first time, like, I didn't like it. Uh, I cried the first day, but I got used to it. And then I just assumed that this is the game, right? Like, this is not using the, those terms at the time in my mind brain as a three-year-old, but like, okay, this is this is life. I just accept what is given and I go through it. And okay, the game is now I must perform and do well. Uh, I must get it right. I must not get it wrong. I must behave a certain way. Uh, I must avoid detention, right? Like they're they're like these parameters that you play within. You had detention in kindergarten? No, no. I mean, like you know, as you as you as you uh, progress through the different levels of the game, uh, the the punishments get harder. The mini bosses get a little bit more difficult. We go through this game, and the the end goal is you come out the other side with you know, a decent job, which is great if that works out and you haven't been questioning, well, is, is this, is this it? Is this all there is? Or if you weren't that good at the game and everyone told you during the entire duration of the game that, Hey, you suck at this. You'll never amount to anything. Or maybe you should consider dropping out and becoming a repairman or something. Like we get told these things, right? They're, they're the game masters who have their expectations of how it's supposed to go as well. But I think the point is when it doesn't go the way that you expect it to go, and this it's not just school, it could be anything, and you fall into this, uh, it, it's like an empty space of, okay, well, now what? The tendency for the average person is to panic because the emptiness of not knowing what there is and what's next for you can be really anxiety-inducing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, well, I mean, I think you and I had very different experiences of, of preschool, kindergarten, because I love, I mean, yeah. that, that's that's really where my whole journey began, you know, where, uh, you know, I, I probably cried the first day too. It was like, mom, I don't want to go. And then, and then uh, you know, I'm, I'm there and I'm making friends and I'm hanging out. And then, you know, I'm like, all right, this is okay. I'm like, nap time is weird. You know, I'm going to, you know, mom drops you off at school and says, here, I want you to go to sleep next to 40 strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just kind of laying their eyes wide open, just going, what is going on here? Uh, and then, <laughs> and then my, <laughs> my teacher says to me, she's like, all right, so tomorrow is show and tell. I'm like, wait, 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 what? What? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you, you can bring in something uh, and uh, you can tell everybody about it. I'm like, you mean to tell me? That I get to take the most awesome thing in my life and show everybody how great it is? And the, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. When do we do this? Every week? And then it was just, I I just loved getting up there and being like, 
You see this thing? This thing right here? This is the best of life. Right here. This stuffed animal. This little stuffed raccoon? Best stuffed raccoon in the world. Nobody beats it. <laughs> you gotta get this stuffed raccoon, let me tell you. There's only one in the world, but you gotta get it. And yeah. uh, and that's that's kind of where my my teaching journey began, was that I really liked pointing out to other people, hey, look at this book. It's amazing. Look at this TV show. It has some real heart to it. Hey, look at this experience that's, you know, go travel in China and live in a monastery. That is worth having. And I've I've always kind of been this kind of professional pointer of of experience of saying, hey, these things are valuable. Uh, being kind of a, a, a discerning, like, that's a good experience. That's not good. And everybody does this. But I think yeah. I, I think I'm well suited for it. Yeah, I think some of us do it better than others, and you're very good at pointing out the specifically for someone who is on the path, so to speak, right. like someone who's seeking the greater meaning to their life, or they're seeking to get past certain perceived problems that they they're unable, like the the, the cause is in their blind spot. We're just like unable to break free of it. You're particularly good at pointing to the exact solution while also not giving the answer, but saying, okay, this is your next step. Go do this. Yeah. And yeah. don't like, don't question it. Like, just go do this and you'll find out. Right. Right. And I think that's really important for anybody who's on any sort of path like of learning. Like just yeah. like if we're, if we're to have a conversation about education and learning, the the act of experiencing something for ourselves is by far in my opinion the greatest way to learn now of course there are certain things that we like there are things that i can think of that where i would rather not make a stupid mistake on my own like if i could if if it's something that i could easily see coming or avoid or i can see what other people are doing i can learn from other people's mistakes as well but i also know that there are certain mistakes that i really want to make as silly as that sounds, because for me, like I value learning and education. It's it's like at the top of my core values list. And so there are certain things, man, I just want to break right through it, right? Like I want to experience it. I want to feel it totally like the pain, the heartache, the struggle, the suffering. Like this is, this is the second time that I've started my own business. Starting your, starting a business is hard. Like this is yeah. this yeah. gets beyond just like offering a service to somebody and being a consultant. Like we're actually structuring what we're doing here as an actual business so that we can better serve more people. You have to be so, accountable to yourself and it's it's harder yeah. to build structure than it is to work through somebody else's. Right. Before we get too deep into this, I want to go back to something that you said earlier about, you know, people tell you uh, you know, how you should you know, how you should live or people tell you you should quit or I think it's important to note that voices that that nobody knows what's going on and most people who have confidence in their um, in their assuredness of like this is how life is um, they're not wrong but they're not right either and I, I think when any individual voice is saying like this is a possible route you can take this is another possible route you can take. And people who are really self-assured say this is, you should do this. You know, you should go to college. And I agree 
you should, but if you don't think it's for you, then, you know, there is something to be learned from going through a hard experience that isn't, that is distasteful for you. Because either way you learn, you learn that it isn't for you, or you learn that it is for you, or you learned that you, you needed, what you needed to learn wasn't what they were teaching. What you needed to learn was that you were stopping yourself by being afraid or by not having enough, um, by not pushing through the hard part in the beginning to get towards competence. And the voices that come from all angles that tell you, you know, this is how you should live your life, or this is how you should behave. You should, you should fit into society in this way and not that way. I, I, I think that let's not vilify all of the voices because the one that's most important is the one that is speaking from your own head. The one that says, I can't do this, uh, which often doesn't sound to yourself like saying, I can't. It often is just simply um, an agreement that you have with yourself. Yeah, it usually comes up in the flavor of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't deserve this. This isn't for me. Those kinds right. of phrases we'll call them key phrases that come up in the in the mind brain space right and, and it often doesn't come across that direct um yeah. for for example uh in, in my own life one of the, one of the like i often feel like uh uh you know i have imposter syndrome i oft, i often feel like i have not done my homework i haven't prepared enough for something and um you know that's a combination of a lot of it different factors but it it ends up being this thing that's, that gets in my way thinking like, oh, you have to be prepared. You have to be perfect. You know, it isn't about being perfect. And whenever somebody says that phrase, you don't have to be perfect. I'm like, I know. I never said I wanted to be perfect. But that's how it comes off. And that's the, that's the key word that people use. And it's not quite getting at the mark. And so when somebody says, you know, Oh, there's all these voices telling you that you can't do this or could do this or uh, the government says this, the laws say this, society says this, be this way, be this way. And like, it's not, it's not a clear, cohesive message. It's just yeah. a feeling that you get. And so yeah. uh, I think part of becoming a, uh, a realized, confident individual in oneself is recognizing that that message isn't clear. It's just a feeling and being able to identify it. And that's the first step of mindfulness is awareness is being able to identify what it is. And it isn't even, you don't even, you don't even need a perfect definition. You just need to put borders on it, put a boundary on it. So you could say, Hey, what is this thing I'm afraid of? Put, put shape to it, add color to it, add a little bit. And it might be fuzzy on the edges and it might not be this the most cohesive, coherent image or definition, but at least you can identify it. And then you can make steps to avoid it, to confront it, to learn about it, to recognize that the thing that's holding you back isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's... Yeah. A, it's a, a wall to break through or climb over or go around or dig under or, or to just keep you out because it wasn't the path you needed to go on. Right. Uh, and once you have the ability to identify these things and say, all right, you know, you've had this struggle and you've been struggling and struggling and struggling. And then sometimes people will say, 
oh, I, I was bashing my head against a wall, and then I realized, oh, my thinking had become so uptight, and I, I just, I had to get around this wall, and then I realized I was going the wrong direction, man, and that's <laughs> not wrong. They learned that there was an easier path to flowing with their, their on their path, with their existence, with whatever they're doing. The other take isn't wrong either. You know, when you say, oh, there's this problem and I had to, I had to knuckle down. I had to learn to overcome hardship. I had to learn to be put, to put up with being uncomfortable and break on through to the other side. That, that struggling was the lesson, not the success of defeating that individual problem, Mm -hmm. but the fact that they were able to push through hardship got them to the place where they wanted to be. But I think there's a trap on both sides of this. Flowing too much avoids it uh, avoids a certain amount of like toughening up. Yeah, there's there's a definitely a a, um, a diversion of responsibility or deferral of responsibility. That's, That's a good way for. to put it. Yeah, uh, th- we see this a lot in the ultra spiritual movement where people are like, "Nah, man, just you know, peace and love, and just go with the flow, and you know, the universe is gonna bring us." you know, what we're asking for and all this. Like, yeah, to a certain extent, the environment is going to give you stuff. And to a certain extent, you have a hand in in creating what the environment's going to give you in response to your actions, right? But it's not like because Mercury is in retrograde, whatever that means, like all of a sudden your life is going to fall apart and there's going to be a, a massive crisis in your social life and your romantic life and your work life. That That's... It doesn't work that way. And if if I'm offending anybody in the audience by saying that, I'm sorry. I I have the the firm belief that I am responsible for everything in my life, including the things that come out of left field and blindside me. And I go, whoa, okay. How did I just create that? Something that's really important about what you're saying is that like the obstacles to getting where we want to go in life are not, we just got a heart. The Modern Hippie Podcast just hearted what I said. Hello, thank you. <laughs> awesome, thanks um, for listening, guys. Yeah, that the um, the obstacles that we perceive are getting in the way of where we want to go, wherever that is and whatever that looks like for us, right. are never external, right? Like these things that you're talking about, these walls to climb over, these things to go around, these are these are stories. They're concepts that we make up in the mind to 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 communicate what we feel is going on. But it's never what's going on out there. It's always what's going on in here. It's what's happening inside the mind where we're we're creating these stories of where, these narrations of our lives in response to the environment that we're experiencing. And the narration that we tell is based on the subconscious belief systems that we're holding deep in the mind. Most of them we're not aware of. And so it's like you're, as we go through the game, we're leveling up our character, not by getting new weapons and armor and, and you know the next best spell, but we're leveling up by letting go of the, the baggage that is encumbering us. Right, it, it helps us. Like the less we're carrying with us, it turns out, the better we can flow when we're challenged with perceived external obstacles. Because then we don't get stuck up here in the mind about how we're going to resolve this this problem, how we're going to like 
I, I, I find that this is really interesting that you mentioned like the voice in the head, because I find that there, there are many different voices, not only up here, but in other places in the body. You were talking about like, there's a feeling about what is the right path for you, right? There's, there is no particular right path for anybody, right? There's no prescription on how to do your life. And I think that is the fundamental problem that most people getting out of school and, and going to like get the white picket fence and the golden retriever and the house and the car and the perfect partner, that, like it doesn't work out that way, does it? Not like almost never. That's like the, the media interpretation of how life should go. So well, sometimes it when, does. Sometimes it does. Like, and, and if you really want that and you align yourself with that, you can go get it. I know people who have gotten it. It's great. It's not for me, right? Because I've checked in with my voices and they're telling me, no, no, that's not, that's not for you. But I think the point is that there's no prescription for how to do life. Your prescription is the one that you write for yourself. And to do that, we have to tune into these feelings that we get. And in particular, I find that there's, there's two distinct voices. There's the, the, the one up here, let's, let's say it's the one in your head. The one that never has anything nice to say about you or your capabilities or what's possible for you. If you're in the habit of beating yourself up, it's never going to help you out, right? It, it's actually, it's good for analytical problem solving. If, if you need some logistical steps, like step one through five on how to, you know, uh, get the degree or get the job or whatever, like it's good for that. But you have to believe in yourself first. There's this other voice. It's an intuitive voice that rests somewhere between the heart and the gut. It's, it's, in, it's in the body somewhere, and it's always rooting for you. The problem is, it's a lot quieter than the voice that's up here in the head. Yeah. But it comes okay. with a feeling, right? And the problem that we have is, if we go through life long enough, and we get in the habit of numbing our emotions, so that we can just go through the motions and be successful the way that we've been told that we need to be successful, then we cannot easily listen to that intuitive voice, the one that's where you say, oh yeah, go with your gut or do what your heart tells you to do. That voice speaks in terms of feeling. So we have to learn how to let go of our baggage and unnumb ourselves in order to actually hear it clearly. And then there's the added step of getting into the habit of actually listening to what it says and doing what it tells us to do. This is very hard. Yeah. If you've yeah. never done this before. But like, if you're looking for the meaning of life or like your particular path or your life purpose, it's there. It's like, it's, it's, it's down here, right? It's like, I'm going to lift yeah. this up. It's like, there it is. Oh, oh, Brian. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, but that's where it is. Our viewership just dropped, man. Oh, <laughs> you got you to start doing crunches. <laughs> so we have to condition ourselves. We, we've conditioned ourselves to a point already where like we've gotten like we've practiced so long numbing ourselves, thinking too much, uh, being smart and, and, and some of us not believing that we're actually smart after practicing being smart for so long. And then we've forgotten what's really important, yeah. which is that guiding voice in the head. We just got a 100 from the Modern Hippie Podcast. I would argue the exact opposite with with arriving at the same point. I would argue that we are not thinking enough. Yes. And that what people think when they what, – what people are calling thinking isn't thinking. It's more mindless observations and, uh, you know, for example, like when you're driving – Oh, it's thoughting. Yeah, thoughting. When you're driving and you get into that that kind of zone 
where you just kind of are, are just your your thoughts are just kind of ruminating and just kind of going with the flow and you end up having like a daydream. And then people kind of call it, oh, it's like a meditation. It's like I got into this state of mental flow and I was just have I was winning this imaginary argument with this perceived police officer that pulled me over and I told him off real good and he let me go without a ticket because I was right. Yeah. Or I was worrying about what my ex was thinking or whatever the thing is, right? Yeah, that's thoughting, right? That's not a concentrated analytical logic and reasoning way of figuring out a problem. That's just, you know, it's mental masturbation. It's like, it's not a real problem. (laughs) You know, it's, it's setting up a straw man for yourself to knock down. It's a logical fallacy with yourself. And it ends up being a product of our preconditioning, right? Like that, that automatic stuff in there is, is determined by the programs we've installed in the background. Right. Okay. So, so let's, so let's, let's, let's break this down. So the, I think this is important. The language that we use to describe these things are, are all symbolism to express something that is difficult to describe in language. For sure. And how, how the more, um, you know, woo woo hippie, uh, super out there side is going to describe it is not wrong their terminology is just more fuzzy because they recognize that this thing is difficult to explain. So they're going to explain it in terms of experience and feeling. And then the other side of the more analytical, the more discerning, the more, um, you know, hard work, break on through to the other side, you know, kind of mentality. They're not wrong either. Their terminology is just very precise and it's also, you know, it, it's it might require more steps to get to the logical conclusion, and it requires probably more discipline to get there. But it, it comes with less feeling. It comes with having to numb a little bit your distaste for uncomfortableness to be able to get to that to the conclusion that you're trying to get through. So, for example, you mentioned earlier about you know you know, education and, you know, getting, getting through, and then you're going to get a job at the end. It's like, okay, so I studied political science and then I studied international relations. And then I did a master's in Asian studies. And none of that had anything to do with calculus, but I had to take it right. Or I had to take pre-calculus, right? So learning pre-calculus did not help me in the sense that it was useful but the struggle of having to learn precalculus was extremely valuable because it meant that I had to do something I did not like doing, that I was not naturally good at, that I had to struggle through. Enable, in order to pass a class that, you know, the utilitarian argument of was it useful is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. The math wasn't useful. The struggle to learn something difficult was useful because that is applicable to everything you do in your life. When whether yeah. you like it or not is irrelevant. And that's that's the thing that I think that we can all learn when you're feeling lost. The answer I would say to the more woo-woo hippie crowd is hey, you got to buck up and work a little harder and deal with being uncomfortable. And 
you will get to where you want to go because you're really good at flowing already. You're really good at going with the flow, but if going with the flow isn't getting you where you want to go, it's time to swim a little harder and direct your life. To the person on the other side who is a very <clears throat> disciplined, uh, you know, you know, uh, square type, uh, more, um, you know, more sciencey type who who is stuck and feeling lost. I'm like, hey man, you've done the hard work of swimming, but the current is taking you in a different di- direction. You need to stop swimming and you need to learn to flow. Yeah. You need to learn to go with where life is taking you. And I think that neither of these philosophies is wrong, but they're constantly pointing fingers at each other and saying, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're too wishy-washy as Alan Watts says, you're too spiky. And like, no, you're too, you're too uh, amoeba-ish. You know, you know, you're too fuzzy. No, it's not like this. A spiky, no, was it? Uh, Prickly people in goo. That's how he puts people in goo. Yeah, it does. It doesn't work, right? There's so this is a case where the mind's tendency is to compartmentalize and then to pick sides and then have them be opposing forces. The reality is they're just opposites of the same spectrum, and I think if we can find a balance in life to be able to at will shift wherever we need to along the spectrum to course correct or adjust depending on what we're experiencing in our environments, right? Whether it's the people in our lives, the places we're living, the, the places we work, the, the things that come as a surprise, death in the family, illnesses, all these like these things that come as surprises and are not pleasant, our ability to be able to acknowledge that they're occurring, to accept them as they are, um, if we're feeling some way about it, to be willing to go in and actually feel the sadness, the anger, the frustration, to, to just go into that and and process it fully so that we can move past it and then choose where on the spectrum are we, okay, am I going to use my head for this or am I going to flow for this? Am, am I going to fight it or am I going to surrender? What is going to be the best course of action for me? I don't pick sides here. I just use the tool that's best suited for the situation, right? And I, I love the analogy of, of tools for this sort of thing because we, ha- as human beings, have a tendency to get stuck in our own personalities, our own worldviews, and what is the best way to approach any particular situation. So somebody will say, oh, well, you got to just, you know, tell them like it is. And other people are like, no, man, you just got to chill and, you know, relax and it'll it'll all work itself out. And it's like, okay, well, what's the balance for you? It, with with the analogy of the tools, if you're in an environment where you've got a nail to put in the wall, don't use a screwdriver. It's not going to work out, right? Or you can like try to like tap it in with the back of the screwdriver, but then you damage the screwdriver, right? The screwdriver gets damaged. You get damaged. Well, if if you buy shitty screwdrivers, man, you got to buy good tools. Good tools will last you forever, man. I I put a nail into a wall by using a screwdriver before. The back end is pretty tough. It, you can you can hammer it in pretty damn good. I wouldn't use yeah, carpenter nails though. I'd make sure I use some good Tapcon screws. Boy, I tell you what though, if you got a screw that you got to put in the wall, and you got a, you got a you got a hammer, that hammer ain't gonna help you. That hammer's just gonna put a big old hole in that wall. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta you gotta know which tool to use for the situation. You can't be attached to the tool, but first you gotta recognize 
when you're holding a tool in the first place so that you can realize you got to put it down and pick up another one. If you right. think that, but, if you think that you are the tool, <laughs> then you become a tool. Right. Are you calling me a tool? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think the thing that's really frustrating though, is that this, the way that people give advice is saying, you got to use the right tool for the right job. You know, it's like, well, Nine times out of ten, you don't need the super specialized tool that works the most efficiently for that particular job. Nine times out of ten, what you have is a bunch of different types of nails and a bunch of different types of hammers, and it doesn't really matter which one you use. They're all going to get the job done. It's only in those corner cases where it's like, nope, this one's a screw, have to use a screwdriver. I mean, th- this is a not the best analogy in the world, but I, but I hope that the listeners understand that like the best advice, I think for most of these people is, you know, is the Dory advice, just keep swimming. Like you're going to get there. Just keep yeah. moving yeah. forward. And when That's you, true. W- when you feel lost, there is no single answer to most of these problems, but there are tools that are better suited, but there's no perfect tool. You can, yeah. you could search your whole life trying to find the answer and you're never going to find it because there are many. And, you know, sometimes <clears throat> that, you know, like there's like, let's go back to the, the, the math analogy. It's like, there are lots of different ways to do math. But all of them require hard work. All of them require, you know, learning the different process to be able to do it. And it takes time to get there if you really want to understand. Yeah. I think patience is a really important value to have. Yeah. And that patience is the best answer to feeling lost, I think. because And also persistence. Because in in what I'm hearing you share, there are two lessons that have come up with the, like, there's no perfect tool for the situation, like, or sometimes any tool will do. Don't overthink it, right? This is not like, there's no right answer for your life. You have to create it. It's it's a creation of yours. It's a blank canvas. Don't overthought it. (laughs) Don't overthought it, right? Proper thinking is always appreciated. And the other thing is when you're feeling lost or you're feeling stuck and maybe you're feeling overwhelmed because there's too much to handle in, in, in your current perception. Don't give up because giving up on yourself, I think is the worst thing that you can do when you have nothing but a blank canvas in front of you. It may not seem like it at the time because we have a tendency to do this with our environments, with the people that we're related with, with, with our, our work tasks, we, we get like this. Oh, well, this is my life. You get horse But the truth it. is, yeah, the truth is, like, look around, right? This is just, like, this is space. Like, I am where I am because I choose to be here. I'm aware that I chose it. Not everyone's aware that they chose to be here. Right. If you don't right. like it where you are, it may not seem like it, but you can leave. You can go somewhere else. You can become a different person. You can. 
Um, I think that you're brave to show your surroundings like that because m- mine are not as pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I hung this tapestry behind me to make it look, you know, oh, look, you know, it's nice. And well, you set up your dojo in the basement, yeah? It's actually, well, no, the dojo ended up going into the garage. This is okay. going to be the new home and recording center of Corey Dharma YouTube channel, which uh, is going to be releasing its first episode very soon in the next month. Um, I'm doing a video on uh, learning about who you are, and it's an educational video looking back into the history of of Buddhism, particularly Bodhidharma, the founder of Zen, and how he, as a pseudo-mythical creature, kind of developed this whole system that kind of tells you, look, oh, who you are? Spoiler warning, it's all kind of made up. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, is it? Isn't all of life? So, so this, this, this is the uh, the recording studio that is going to be. So, uh, you know, I got my. Th- this is all going to be cleaned up and moved around. I got my books over there, and so I, everything's that's kind awesome. Of unfinished. I just finished this white wall here. This beautiful white wall. It's so white. It's going to be painted and turned into the backdrop, and so like this corner here will be kind of the backdrop of the video. With the you know, beautiful elephant tapestry over here representing the uh, you know the more the more woo crowd, and over here is going to be where all the books and uh, you know the computers and the intelligentsia is like you know the left brain, right brain kind of thing. So it'll be kind of there, uh, and then I'm, I'm I'm we're slowly working on fixing the ceiling, which has yet to be finished. <laughs> I'm working on this studio. We're, cool. we're turning it into things. So. I want to um, change the conversation a little bit and, and direct it more personally towards us okay. because but it's hold, really easy. Hold for- on, though, because I want to do that, too. Hold on. There's, I, I just I want to acknowledge you for a minute Okay. for showing exactly what you just showed. And now for, for those listeners who are going to hear this audio only via podcast, you're going to miss out on this visual. But what Corey Dharma just showed was a very beautiful work in progress, right? <laughs> What a lot of people, this is, this is important, and I think this is in particular important for those listeners who are afraid that whatever their dream life is, is not going to be perfect. Like it's not going to work out the way that they think it's going to work out, or it has to be a certain way and they can't show their vulnerabilities. You're creating a recording studio in your basement. Right. And for anybody who's watching the Instagram live feed right now, they would only know that there's this elephant tapestry behind you and you've got all your shit figured out. But the reality is if you look left and you look right, there's shelving and clutter and just things kind of strewn about and the, the rafters of the roof are exposed. Like it's, it's not pretty. But what you get to show the world is that like, okay, you've got, you've got it figured out to a point where, okay, it's just good enough. Right. And the analogy that you use all the time, which I, I love, is like your pencils are just sharp enough to make a mark on what it is you're about to do. And you're about to launch a YouTube channel, which for those of you who are listening, if you want to be a content creator, like you don't need a fancy studio. Like we're even for this, we're using our iPhones. When I make videos for my Instagram channel, I use an old iPad that's just clipped to a, a a, a miniature tripod because I don't have a full size one anymore, right? But you just kind of you take what you have and you make it work, and it's the same thing. What I have going on upstairs, it's the the on one side of the room I have these old mattresses up against the wall to absorb the sound. It doesn't look pretty, but it works, right? You just right. you do what you can, 
And it's not about looking good. It's about getting out there, showing up and serving people. That is a perfect like example of uh, in my own life of feeling lost and, and trying to get things perfect in um, is that you have this idea that you have to do something the right way. Uh, and like, like when I was in grad school, um, you know, oftentimes my papers would be turned in quite late because they weren't, they weren't good. And I, I, my professors like just turned something in, just, just get it in. And, and the thing is, is that they had, they had kind of conditioned me to do this by saying they would give them a paper and they're like, it's not good enough. Do it again. And then hand it back to me. And then it's not good enough. Do it again. Then hand it back to me. And they're like, we're not worried about the grade. We're worried about you learning how to do this. So uh, it ended up being that it was later and later and later and later. And I'm like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And like, just turn something in. Like, you're fine. Like, like it, it doesn't need to be done the right way. Um, and I think, and not, I don't think everybody has this same issue, but for me, part of feeling lost, uh, part of feeling like I'm fake, like I, like I don't belong or I'm faking it or I haven't earned my, my place here is that. I know how much work I could have put into it to make it good, to make it a high quality product. And I realize, like I look at other people who do something of a certain quality and I just go, I want to be at that level. And then when I, when I tried to produce something, I realized like, wow, I really slacked off on this. I really did not put in the hours. I didn't put in the hard work and I beat myself up over it. And I say, uh, you know, uh, oh, like, I mean, this is why it's taken me like five to seven years to like actually like get the YouTube channel going. I've been talking about it forever and I'm only now finally doing it because I feel like I've I had all the pieces. I had the camera. I had the lights. I I, I had the brain. You know, I, I had the work, but it, it was the hard work. It was the writing the script. It was getting it to a level that was acceptable for what I wanted it to be. And, you know, that was, that's always my struggle is like, I'm, I'm a clever person. I'm, I'm an somewhat intelligent. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, out of the ordinary intelligent, but I recognize I I have a strong sense of quality and I look at things and that's part of, like I said earlier, that story about, pointing where um you know oh do this experience read that book watch this internet watch this youtube video they they're of high quality it's because my discerning voice is quite strong but when i turn that on myself it it becomes a hindrance it holds me back from producing something because it doesn't allow me to be an amateur right this is this is something that I think is is crucial for those of us listening to this episode right now is like think about where in your own life your self critic your per, your inner perfectionist is getting in your way of just being in action. Because what what I found and I think what we found together in producing our podcast it was like we we set a date we said okay we're just going to show up and record we kind of outlined what we were going to do we really didn't know what we were doing at the time two years ago. And we just sat down and did it. And it was a conversation and it flowed surprisingly well. And then we did all of the necessary steps to actually make it a live podcast so people could listen to it. And that was cool at the time. And it took a lot of steps to get there and a lot of, for me, letting go of perfectionism. And it's funny, like 
This is probably going to happen with your YouTube channel, just like it's happening right now with Inner Sensei. Like we're creating content and then two years from now, you're going to look back at it and be like, oh, that was so embarrassing. This yes. is, ah, I could have done so much better. But this is like, it takes being in action and messing up and making mistakes to get to that level. The people that we admire who are already doing the things that we know that we can do, they've gotten, they've built their business to the point where they have dedicated teams that that's all they do is help them in production. They help them with customer service. They help them with marketing, right? Like if you're a solopreneur, which is that is like somebody you're working alone as an entrepreneur, you're building something to contribute to the world to make a difference, right? Like just do it. Just give your gift. Don't worry about how it's going to look because as long as you are sincere and genuine and sharing, right? You don't have the intention to hurt anybody and it's not about yourself. It will be received in a positive light and you will get feedback and we have to learn how to accept feedback and to take that and to improve. Um, and as I finish up this thought, I want to wave to Olivia because she just jumped on. <laughs> Hello, Olivia. <laughs> Yeah, uh, hey, thank girl. you to all of our listeners who are on here on this call right now. I hope this is really valuable. And by the way, if you have questions or comments for us, go ahead and, and leave them in the chat. And maybe we can use those as a, a prompt for the next phase of the conversation. Uh, Corey, you were going somewhere before I jumped in. Yeah. Where were you I mean, going I'm, to take I'm going this? a lot of places, but you know, there's only so much time in the world and we're all going to die one day. So I, I can never really get all of the That's thoughts true. out. That's true. Uh, especially without being rude and cutting you off every two seconds to go, yeah, and, yeah, and, you know. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, just because I want to, like, I want to keep this within realms of our personal experience of feeling lost because I, I have, I, I go through these phases, right, where yeah. uh, ever since I left high school, I will move to a new city, I'll be there about four years, and then I'll leave. And the first year I'm there, I always feel really like depressed and lost and not um, not myself because I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't have friends there. I don't know where the city is. I don't feel comfortable. Um, and I kind of shut down and turn in on myself. And so, like, you know, did four years in college. And luckily, I had a lot of friends who came to the same university with me. And, um, you know, so I, I went with them exploring quite often and that's what got me to be comfortable but it was that that first two years of slowly increasing in comfort level till I started to feel like yeah I've got a really good social support network um, you know I know where everything is in the city I, I don't know everything but I know where my spots are to to be comfortable and then when I moved to a new place I moved to Japan and that first year was it was hard it was really hard and it wasn't until I got a girlfriend that I was like, okay, now I'm starting to feel comfortable. I mean, it was about six months, seven months in. And then I was like, okay, now I'm feeling more comfortable. And by the time I was four years in, I was like, I, I'm king of this town. Like I knew every foreigner that lived in that town and taught English. I knew all the restaurants that, that were, you know, and, and the good bars and the, the good um, the good hangout spots and I had a frisbee team and I had a band and I was like I was really going you know I just very social creature right did the same thing in Miami I spent uh, seven years in Miami and 
first year was rough. And then by the time I was in year seven, oh man. I mean, you know, you were there. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I was throwing big parties and like, you know, and you were uh, having these uh, great mindfulness events and, you know, we would kind of go back and forth and I was just, I felt connected and I felt like I knew my place. Yeah. And now I'm in that cycle again where yeah. I'm, I moved to a new place. I only knew one person here, which was um, my girlfriend. And so I, I moved in with her and that's it. like, I've been here now six months and I spend, I mean like, you know, I'm 34 years old. I'm a mindfulness teacher. I'm, I, I've been, you know, I'm not someone who is just starting out their life, but I feel like I'm wasting my potential because I, I, I sit in the same house all day. I mean, part of this is, is part of this is me going through my natural state of cycles where I'm in that first year in a new place where I don't know anybody. And it turns out I do have a couple friends who live in the area. I didn't even realize they were here, but you know, they got kids and they got their lives and you know, I'd, I don't reach out as often as I should. And uh, my, my car's breaking down all the time now and I can't really go anywhere. And I, I've been unemployed, you know, I, since I left Miami and it's been really hard to get out to explore, you know, I haven't had the income to go like, I want to go to the coffee shop and go to, you know, meet new people because I can't spend money. So these things I use as excuses to protect, to hide the fact that very convenient when I'm in a new place and not feeling comfortable, not, not having my social network to support me and, and, you know, remind me that like, Hey, you're, you're a value and you, you know, you're a, a valuable member of the community or, Oh, you help people. Like I'm in that phase right now. I know I'm going to come out of it. I know that if I'm patient and I just keep uh, pushing myself socially and, um, you know, and, and, and as, you know, getting myself out there as a teacher, that I will get to that place where I feel uh, comfortable again. And that's not my goal. My goal isn't to be comfortable. My goal is to accept who I am when I am. And right now the best part about my life is my relationship that that's, you know, a plus 10 stars, uh, you know, would recommend you date. <laughs> I, I don't know if you want the, the entire internet to come to your house and try to date your girlfriend. No, I mean, they, they can try. She, she's, she's, uh, she's great. And, and she's not going anywhere. So I'm, I'm totally comfortable and say, right. It also helps that you're both martial arts teachers and you can, you know, kind of throw anybody out the door if you yeah. need to. Uh, cur- we, you know, we're currently at full capacity. There's no, no openings. <laughs> you know, you can send in an application, but we're not going to read. Yeah, you know, my work life and my social life are kind of really, really down low key right now. And so even though I am a teacher of this very thing, helping people go through, I go through it too. And I, and I'm struggling right now to, to make, to make myself get out of the house. You know, we go, you know, we try to go on walks. I go to the gym three times a week. Um, 
you know, I try to go, try to go out and meet new people. So, um, you know, I recently taught my girlfriend how to play magic, the gathering. And, uh-huh. uh, so we, she's like, all right, great. Let's, let's go to the shop. I'm like, uh, you know, I want to, and, but I don't have the money. She goes, no, I'll pay for it. And then whatever you win, she gets the cards. I'm like, great. And the very first time we went, we, we made friends and like, they, they've been going out with us and playing games with us. And, and that's, that's been fantastic. And I needed that. I needed that push. I needed that, um, you know, that, uh, that validation that even though I can define these terms because I teach these things and recognize that it's going, that I'm going through it myself, right. I still go through it. I still struggle. Yeah. I think that's important because the, like, it wouldn't make sense for us to teach what we teach unless we a, go through it ourselves, B, we're willing to go through it ourselves and to like keep our eyes open during the process, right? Awareness is a huge thing, which I, we're, what we're doing is we're using our life experience and the awareness that we focus on that experience to parallel what somebody else is going through and say, oh no, live video has ended. Hold on, everybody. We're going to, all right. Hey man. So, so I want you to finish your thought and then I want you to tell me about your personal life and when you felt lost because, you know, I, I, I just opened up a bit and said, you know, (laughs) that I'm garbage and that I, that I'm a worthless human being and I'm a terrible teacher. And I I said all these terrible things about myself and then I, then I propped myself back up and said, it's okay, Corey, you got this. You, you just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Yeah. Just keep swimming. No. And it's the same for all of us, but it's like, yeah, we all go through this. Right. I'm in a similar position to where you are now. Like I just moved to a new place. I'm in Germany. Like where you are, people speak English. Where I am, I'm in like the boonies, right? Like I'm not even near Frankfurt or or Berlin or someplace where people can understand me. So like when I encounter people here, like I use my best broken German and they use their best broken English that they learned when they were in elementary school. And we try to have a conversation. Like it's like that. I'm Um, I'm kind of in the same boat because I'm in deep Maryland. I'm not like near DC or Annapolis or Baltimore. Like I, I, you know, I'm in a town where like there's a town called that you look on the map and it's, it's Bowie. Bowie. Hey yeah. The town of Bowie. And everyone's like, Nope, it's pronounced Bowie. Yeah, so it, it's like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it feels, but it's, it feels like I'm in a foreign country. Yeah. the the point The point is that it's okay to go through these things. That's a part of life, and I I can see like there's a couple of things that stand out to me in what you shared. One is like I know that for you, fun and playfulness is at the top of your core values list. So it would make sense that if you were to go and pursue some activity to enhance the social area of your life, it would be magic, the gathering like that. It just makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, just a quick point. I, I want you to continue, but um, yeah. yeah, I do enjoy having fun. I like playing games, but you know, the thing, the thing that I am missing the most is my students um, yeah. because professionally, like I moved up here and, and Miami was a hotbed for meditation and uh, you know, uh, life coaching uh, for martial arts and, you know, you know, middle of, middle of Maryland, you know, out in the countryside yeah, is not <laughs> the best. It's, you know, hard to convince people that these things are valuable, uh, and there's not a big market for it. So, um, I, I assumed that because I was the only one offering these things that I would, it, and I'm not the only one, there's other people who do it, but I didn't have my social network and 
So since I don't have really, I only have a few students right now. And when I have that validation of like helping someone and at the end of our conversations, at the end of our meditation sessions, at the end of our self-defense sessions, you know, they, they report back to me in some way that it was valuable for them. And, you know, that that's the thing I missed the most because it's like I have all these I have the skill that isn't being utilized in the I mean in my own life yes but helping other people pointing out to other people having them go oh my god that was amazing I, I my life is better now because of this I'm like yes I got that validation I got that that need to you know to be uh, yeah valued at, at personally of giving back in some way. Um, yeah, and that's that's what I miss the most. Not 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 the ego stroking of Corey. You're great. You helped me. You did all this. No, just the fact that I was helping someone is what I'm missing the most. And yeah. you know, I need my students as much as they need me because it it's uh it's gratif not just gratifying. It's it's soul fulfilling. To yeah. help other you're, people. You're, you are speaking directly to purpose. Like when people are seeking a sense of fulfillment, that is it. Like you've, you've taken what you do, you've aligned it with your values, right? Like you're teaching awareness, you're teaching what you're good at, and you're using it to serve others. And so there's no other, there's no other result that you could get except for feeling fulfilled, especially when you get that positive feedback that who you put yourself out there to be and what you're contributing hits the mark. It actually does make a difference. And that validation I think is so important. It, it goes well beyond just believing in yourself and thinking positively, right? Like just like knowing I can do it is different from actually doing it and then getting the feedback. Right. So um, I'm sorry for taking the spotlight again. I want to put it back on you now. Like you, where, yeah. where do you feel lost? When does, when does existence become existential dread for you? <laughs> so, so the, this story, this is, so back in 2015, this was even before you and I met, uh, but you're familiar with the story. Uh, I was a, I was a hardworking professional. I worked like 60, 70, 80 hour weeks sometimes. And I, I had done a variety of things in the last 10 years. Um, but the, where I was at the time was I was working as an architectural designer and an urban planner in one of the most well-known urban planning firms in the world. And they happened to be stationed in Miami and I got to travel and I was, I was using skills that I was good at. Uh, I got to draw and design places. And, and for me, I was really, um, where I was aligned with my core values as I was doing that job was that I had it, that I was helping to create communities that were healthy and sustainable and vibrant and, and that brought people together, right? Like we were creating neighborhoods and towns and cities that were healthy and that brought people together. And for me, what's really important is connection. And so if I could use my art in some way to create places where connection happens, that brought me a, a huge sense of fulfillment. And the I was doing that for about a year and then we, we did some project abroad in Brazil uh, where the client said, okay, well, we've, we've successfully purchased a portion of the Amazon rainforest. Now we want you to build some high rises. And we're all looking at each other like, is that why you had us come all the way out here? And they're like, yeah, that's what we're doing. And, you know, they paid us handsomely for it. 
But I wasn't the only designer on the team who had an ethical qualm with what was about to unfold. And we talked about it, but it was the first time that I encountered something like this. And I was like, okay, I, I guess we're going to do this. I mean, it was my job and, you know, we're just following orders. And we get back after the project and we talked about it. And I asked some of the partners in the firm, what's that about? How do we reconcile with ourselves? I, I mean, we're this firm that puts out this environmentally responsible work and it's supposed to be healthy for people. And they felt like what we designed there was going to be bad for people. And at the same time was destroying virgin rainforest, you know, the, the lungs of the earth, right? And a couple of months later, I ended up going to the Philippines and it was a similar thing where over 30 years, this development company amassed literally a mountain range. Like they had purchased little chunks of this mountain range and collected all these parcels together. Like it was the whole thing. I, I don't know how you go about owning a mountain range, but they did it, right? It took them 30 years. It was a generational thing. The grandfather owned the company. He passed it down to his son who passed it down to his son. And now his son was fulfilling the grandfather's legacy. They wanted to build a city for 100,000 people on this pristine, virgin, forested mountain range. And here we are, we found ourselves saying, like, are, are, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, it, it was all about selling off the parcels and making a profit. And I don't think I would have, I, I was struggling with this eternally. And I don't think I would have stopped myself this time, except one of the engineers on the team, not related to our firm, made a joke because there was this endangered tree frog that's known to be in that area. And he made a joke that in order for us to successfully put 100,000 people in this area, we have to flatten the mountain range. And he made this joke and he said, huh, looks like we're gonna be burying all the frogs. And he laughed about it. And I had a huge problem with this. And I was not nice to him after that. So we got back home and I had this conversation with one of the partners, I said, look, I, I don't know how to reconcile this for me. Like, I, I don't feel like I can like give my heart to this kind of work. And he turns to me and goes, yeah, I, you know, I, I totally get how you feel. This is something that we struggle with sometimes. And, and I, I go, okay, well, like what, what gives? And he goes, well, um, the way that we look at it is, well, if anybody else did it, if any other company did that project, it would be much worse. And, I couldn't, I couldn't accept that. And parallel to all of this going on in, in, in my professional life, I had also discovered mindfulness and I had started meditating and I was having experiences of myself and, and I started questioning, uh, what is life about? I was in this, this exact same position that, you know, five or six years ago where my students are today, they're like wondering, well, what is my life about? The, the answer is a question, of course, which is what are you going to make your life about? But I didn't know that at the time. And so I'm, I'm wondering like how my professional life, my job, which I love so much, is conflicting with who I am as a person, the values that I hold so dear. And um, I resisted giving up the job because I, like, I, I thought it was a wonderful opportunity and I thought my whole life that I was gonna be an architect. It was my, my parents said I was gonna be an architect. Everyone was like, oh, you're so good at drawing, you'll be an architect. And I had identified so strongly with that particular career choice. And I see a lot of people struggle with this too. It's like when you lose your job that you've had for 20, 30 years, like who are you? 
right? And to, to not right. be able to, to disidentify or to separate ourselves from our careers is a huge problem, especially in Western culture where we're so work-oriented. Um, so I was going through this. And for months, like I knew at some point, like this is just not going to work out for me. Like I'm not going to be happy here ultimately. And still I resisted leaving. And then one night while I was on my way home on my bicycle, I got hit by a car. And I'm not going to go through the, the, the part about like the, like the medical part of that point is I don't remember what happened. Um, and for a month or two after that, I had short-term memory loss. It took me almost a year to fully recover from that. Um, and at the same time, I couldn't go back to work. How convenient. Um, for yeah. the, for the first couple months, I mean, for the first few weeks, I could, I could barely walk. Um, and the short-term memory loss and all the cognitive issues from the, the traumatic brain injury that I sustained, it's just... I had sustained a particular kind of concussion that impacted the portion of my brain that allowed me to visualize things in my mind's eye. So like here I am as a designer and my core skill, my core competency is being able to visualize what a place looks like and then draw it in advance. And I could no longer do that. Very, um, it was a very convenient, uh, a very convenient symptom that took me away from the job that I was unwilling to leave myself. So I, I joke, it's like the universe gave me a kick in the right direction. It was what I was asking for. It just wasn't in the way that I was expecting it to happen. You had like several events leading up to that, that kind of disillusioned you and it kind of pushing you towards something and you weren't ready to make that jump. And then you had an accident. You had a, a catastrophe you know a catastrophe you had some right. big right. event yeah. that led you yeah. to a big change right and as and as i was still working the job and i was practicing mindfulness i knew somewhere like that voice that we talked about earlier the intuitive voice that was deep within me was saying you need to teach this like more people need this and you can teach it and i i knew that and i was uncertain and i was unsure of myself and i didn't know how it was going to look or how i was going to do it or how i was going to explain to my family that i was going to like quit being an architect and go you know like meditate in front of people like what like how do you i i couldn't um i couldn't integrate that so there yeah. i was and it was it's like it's hard to explain to people like yeah uh like i i could never explain to my parents why i wanted to go live in a monastery i just did and then explained after the fact. It came home bald with no eyebrows. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So this is the thing where, you know, we, we know that there's a path for us and it feels right. And then we resist it. And then one of two things can happen. You either do it yourself or... It doesn't get done. Yeah. Or the invisible that's, hand. That's the opposite. You either do it yourself or you don't do it. Because no one's going to do it for you. Yeah. And th this, this is like the primary thing to learn about being in existential dread is that you are going through it and not the other guy. And if they're going through it, you are not – you might empathize, but you are not experiencing their dread. Yeah. The yeah. only way out is through like – experience it like be there be in the crunchiness of it as uh as a brian lemmerman once said be in the crunchiness of it yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned there are two ways there's do it yourself or don't do it at all i took the middle path i went crisis right crisis hit wasn't expecting it 
And then I had to deal with the consequences of recovering from the crisis while also being in this new space of, okay, well now what is my life about? Because I'm not going back to work. Like I, I, it's, I would be a huge burden if I went back to work. And, and dude, that company, this, the, the best, hands down, the best company to work for. They held my job for so long. They wanted me to come back so hard. Like they were family. It was, I, I still, I feel so connected with them. And you abandoned them. <laughs> I mean, yes and no, right? Like from a company perspective, like who wants an employee that doesn't have their heart in their job? This is true. And, and I had that conversation with my boss uh, 11 months later where like they held my job for that long. And I, at, at a certain point, I, I had accepted that I'm not going back. It took me almost a year to finally accept that. And within that gap, within that, that year-long gap, I didn't know who I was and I didn't yet have the wherewithal to realize that I could create my path. Um, but I did know, I did know that after that first year I had, I had been experiencing symptoms of moderate PTSD from, from the incident where to the point where anytime that I would hear car traffic noise or a horn honk or or just an engine zoom by, even if it was like, I'm safe in my own house, right? And a car would go by the front, which in Miami happens all the time, all day long, right? My body would hit the deck. I would lose feeling. I would disassociate. I would have out-of-body experiences as a result of, of the, the unprocessed trauma that I was carrying with me. And I don't recommend this for everybody because I don't believe that mindfulness is... The full solution to healing PTSD. However, if PTSD is something that you're currently struggling with, it can be a very helpful companion when you're being guided by somebody who is trained in trauma recovery. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I don't recommend um, getting hit by Alexis for um, yeah. a, as a path to spiritual enlightenment towards you know i i don't recommend it i'm glad it happened to you i'm glad it happened to me too right now that in, we're on in that, that weird way where it sounds like i'm saying uh, I'm, I'm happy that you get hit by a car uh, well yeah in, in a way i'm i'm glad you had that negative experience and you were okay obviously but um it, it led you to me yeah dude none of this would have been possible with without that i am so thankful to have had that happen and was it pleasant no not all of it was you know like nobody wants to wind up in the hospital with a, a concussion and and you know like i didn't break any bones thank goodness but like i i was pretty seriously messed up i think i think uh, it's in, really in important to note like that the, your story is not uncommon right in right. that you, you often watch TED Talks of people who, who say, oh, I, I came to this realization after I had this terrible accident. And like that is – it's nice to have the, cathart the cathartic moment where something pushed you into something. But I think most people's experiences uh, not <clears throat> are, are more like mine. They're more gradual. Um, and there's something that you decide over time. And then yours is also a gradual story. It just has this – moment of tangency where that thing happened and like it was already tipping in that direction and that was yeah. the that was the wake up moment yeah um, but i think for yeah. most people it's more subtle 
Yeah. And, yeah. And I think it requires an attention to one's own life to be able to recognize when that moment has happened because some people are resolutely uh, digging in their heels, not wanting to change because of the fear of discomfort that that change is going to bring. And, but for, for a lot of people, I think those, there's so many of those different little moments that come up and then eventually their life experience is so different from how they see themselves. They begin to suffer more and more and more because who they think they are and who they think they should, who they who they feel that they are and who they think they should be become so separated that they, they really start to struggle. That's when they really feel lost. That's when they feel that they've, that they're off their path uh, if they have one at all. And they, that's, I think that's when existential dread hits the hardest is that internal monologue is not matching the internal desire of how one should be. Right. And if, if I could interject, like just for, for the listeners to, to couch this in, in layman's terms, what this feels like is chronic dissatisfaction, constant anxiety, uh, the stress from not knowing who you are or, or knowing that you're not living what you really want your life to be. Uh, in the spiritual circles, we call that not living your truth or, or not following your path, right? That's, there's no designated path for you. It's just the one that your heart or your gut is telling you to follow. And if you're not doing that, it creates internal strife and you're feeling that and the result of ailments that are completely avoidable if you could just, for, just consider giving up where you're currently going and choosing something different. And that's like my my goal is to help people realize that and make that change before crisis happens or before it's too late. And, you know, I mean, look, we're all going to die, but at least live your truth before that happens. And, and I, I think this is important because, you know, on, on, you know, bringing this all back together, you know, this whole conversation is, is about being lost in existence. And, and that is a feeling and not everybody has that feeling, but I, I think that the answer to people who are struggling with this is multifaceted. We've mentioned it before. It's one, be patient. It will change on its own because that's the nature of reality. Things change. Two, have persistence, continue to strive, work towards that goal of change. If you know where you're going, keep moving forward keep taking those steps if you don't know where you're going that's okay too but you need to start being aware of the situation so you can make planning steps you can actively move towards a goal and if you feel like you are off the path and you are lost and you are not where you are supposed to be that's one of the worst feelings psychologically but it's just an illusion that you are on a path to begin with. That's it's an idea that you have about how you should be. And you need to let go of those shoulds and just do the be part. Just be mm. who you are. And when you have this opinion that starts to cripple you because you can't act because who you want to be and who you think you should be and who you see yourself as are not in congruence, 
then that's when most suffering happens. And it is simply a matter of perspective, but it it isn't simple to get over it. Yeah. It requires a lot of hard work, a lot of a lot of difficult conversations with yourself, and also a lot of perspective change. It means that you have to do the hard work of looking at the thing that you're afraid of, looking yeah. deep inside and going, all right, uh, I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to be vulnerable. I was afraid uh, to be ostracized, to be invalidated. I was afraid of being alone and having those hard conversations with yourself, accepting that that's really what it was, even though you didn't want to admit it. Yeah. And then you let go. And then it's not a bit, then it, you have immediate, uh, Oh my God. Not, yes, it's, yes. it's this, this immediate lightening of the tension. It doesn't go away entirely. You never stop suffering completely, but you can certainly take that added weight off yourself to make it bearable. Yeah. And then we get, once we get back to that point, then it's so much easier to move forward. Yeah. Once you take that first step, I I call this inertia, right? It's like, it's leading up to the momentum of, of, of ultimately creating a habit of being in action or living your truth. But if that's not yet a habit, taking that first step totally lightens the load of all the fears, self-doubts, self-judgments, criticisms, everything that goes on in the in the thinking mind, the analytical brain, which is just telling you it's not going to work, you're not good enough, you don't deserve it. But if you can take that first step and produce some result and learn not to beat yourself up over it, it create it's one it works wonders in terms of just like reaffirming that there is a possibility and then all of a sudden that that voice of self-doubt will quiet down a little bit. It doesn't go away completely. In fact, it never goes away. And this never gets easy. But I, I think the most valuable skill... Yeah, it's not a binary. It's no. a, It's no. not a binary on-off. It's the collection of all the tiny decisions you make over the course of your day and your life. And it, it's just keep moving forward. Keep making those small little things. And they add up. It does a big deal uh, uh, yeah. towards towards feeling better, towards getting back on track, towards finding yourself, towards... Uh, you know, being on your path and, and also, and, and just also letting go of having to be perfect and letting go of this idea that you have to be comfortable. Yeah. Learning to thrive in discomfort is a very useful skill. Yeah. Being patient. I mean, these are things that any parent would tell their kid when they're in Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts growing up. You got to learn persistence. You got to learn perseverance. You got to learn patience. You got to learn respect and discipline. And all of these things are real. And it's like, you know, be who your kindergarten teacher said you should be like. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the advice that you give adults who are feeling lost. <laughs> It's just like, hey, go back to basics, go back to fundamentals, just be a decent person, just keep fighting to try because just like you said with the YouTube videos and with, you know, and, and putting yourself out there is, it is not a, a, a zero sum game. It, it, it's not all or nothing. It's just, it's a progression it's a little bit further each day, a little another step. It just keep pushing. You got this because it's, it is hard to live. It is hard to go through life. And if you find that your life is not hard, fantastic, great. It will not remain so because, <laughs> <laughs> because life is not a roller coaster that only goes up. You know, people you know are going to die. 
unpleasant things were going to happen. You were going to die. And, and that is not a terrible thing. It is unfortunate, but it is the nature of reality. And when you are suffering, it will, it will work itself out in the end. Yeah. It might not be the path you wished it was. Yeah. That's, this is where the growth comes in. Yeah, and if things are going great for you, that is amazing. Appreciate it while you have it. Uh, but, but for most people, I think that you know their lives are not uh, where they want them to be. And this is what we're what we're talking towards is is towards everybody is. Hey, man, uh, I got bad news for you. What's that? Uh, we're all gonna die one day, and there's not <laughs> a lot of time left. So. Get on it, man. Get on making sure that you're not living your best life, but that you're not wasting your time stressing over the fact that it isn't your best life. Just live. Just be there. Corey Dharma. Yes, sir. I'm going to let us close with that because that was that was so powerful. Dude, I want to thank you so much for like jumping on this call with me and, and being vulnerable in front of a live audience. Um, yeah. And My pleasure. Yeah, man. Dude, for, for the listeners who are here and uh, who want to learn from you, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach you? Uh, you can reach out to me on my website, corydharma.com, where you can schedule appointments with me to do meditation, language classes. I teach Japanese and English. I also teach self-defense classes if you're in the Baltimore, Annapolis, Washington, D.C. area. I still do that. And if you'd just like to hop on a phone call with me and do some self-work, and I can be a, a good sounding board for anyone who's going through existential dread, who's going through a tough time. I also teach meditation classes and kind of learning to help people just kind of be their best self. Awesome. Beautiful. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and Brian, how, if people want to work with you, how do you still, do you still help people? <laughs> yes. So um, I no longer have any more in-person students. I've moved out to Germany. Uh, and the direction that I'm going now is we're in the process of building an online course in both mindfulness and life purpose and connecting the two. So uh, we're, we're aiming mostly for young professionals who have just gotten out of the education game. They've been in the professional world for one to 15 years. They're feeling lost, stuck, and they're seeking their life purpose. And uh, we help them get there. So um, you can reach out to us. You can go to our website, www.innersensei.com, or you can find us right here on our Instagram channel. And we're doing these live calls now every week. And we're going out of our way to find incredible professionals who are on the path, like Corey Dharma, who have just really on-point advice to share with you, just to nudge you a little bit further along the path and get you going. Our online course, is, it's, it's going to be called Own Your Purpose. It's going to launch in January. If you want to get notified of the course launch date when it happens, you can subscribe to our mailing list through our website. So please do that if you can. And um, if you are currently lost and seeking your purpose and you need another boost in the right direction, we've put together a free downloadable PDF. I know it sounds kind of like corporate and that kind of stuff, like, but it's a really helpful tool. It's a, a, a composition of many, a sequence of exercises that I would use with my students in person to help you identify your core values, identify the kinds of things you should be focusing your time on versus the things you shouldn't be focusing your time on. And then it puts you on the path to creating a plan to get there. Uh, you can download that also through our website. So I, I strongly encourage you to follow us uh, and uh, put your email address into our website, download the thing and get going. And of course you can DM me if you have any questions. 
Brian, I, I want to say thank you because I, I could not have done this podcast with you on my own. This is this is our two-year anniversary for, for anyone yeah. who just joined in late. We have been doing the Mindfulness of Doom podcast Mindfulness for two of Doom. years now. <laughs> and we, uh, it, it's been a pleasure. And it's one of those things where like, I needed a partner. I needed someone to push me. And you were a great sounding board and a great person to push off of. And it, it has been one of the greatest honors of my life to be able to work with you and put stuff out there and to produce something that, that brings me joy and brings joy to other people. And, you know, it's funny and goofy and weird and sad and, and, and it all kind of comes together. And it's something that's just fantastic. And I, and I absolutely love that, that I get to do that with you. I also want to say hi to Professor William Colachico, who just joined us on the live channel. But, uh, uh, but Brian, you know that uh, Mindfulness of Doom does not have any official sponsors. Did you know this? I, I, I was keenly aware of this. Yes, our podcast does not have any official sponsors yet. But we do have some real fake sponsors this week on Mindfulness of Doom. We are brought to you by Show and Tell. That's right. Show and Tell. When is it? Every week? <laughs> this episode of Mindfulness of Doom is also brought to you by Southern Tapcons. Yes, Southern Tapcons. There's no perfect tool for the job. <laughs> this week of Mindfulness of Doom is also brought to you by the narrator of your life. That's right, the narrator of your life. Asshole. <laughs> and this episode of Mindfulness of Doom is brought to you by getting mauled by Alexis. Yes, getting mauled by Alexis. It's not the ideal spiritual path, but it works. This week of Mindfulness of Doom is also brought to you by Prickly Goose. That's right, Prickly Goose. No, wait, what? No, gooey prickles. It's gooey prickles. <laughs> This episode of Mindfulness of Doom is brought to you by our faithful and loving fans. Thank you so much to everybody for joining us on this very first Mindfulness of Doom Instagram live call and like this thing that I'm now doing with the Inner Sensei brand. Like it really means a lot. Thank you so much for listening and uh, this is this is really cool. This week's episode is also brought to you by Psychedelic Elephants. That's right, Psychedelic Elephants. Hiding my shame. <laughs> And lastly, this week on Mindfulness of Doom is brought to you by Dead Endangered Frogs. That's right, Dead Endangered Frogs. Eh, you tried. That's a good one. Wow. <laughs> so for those of you who haven't listened behind the scenes, we sort of throw these out there. We pick the funny ones and we edit them in. But all of these are going to make it. So thanks for being a part of that, too. Excellent. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Please check us out, mindfulnessofdoom.com. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, on TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Audible. Everywhere podcasts of all quality can be found, you can find Mindfulness of Doom. Please like, share, and subscribe. It really helps us out. We have over 8,000 listeners. Thank you guys so much. You were fantastic. It's been two wonderful years uh, making episodes and hopefully we're going to make more episodes coming up and we're going to keep doing this. It's been an absolute pleasure and I love it and I can't wait to have more doom. Doom. And if you appreciate what we do at Mindfulness of Doom, you can support us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mindfulness of doom. Mindfulness of doom. All right. That's it for this week's episode of Mindfulness of Doom and we'll see you when? We'll see you uh, next month. All right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. We're going to shoot for monthly episodes. Okay, sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. So this will become an episode, and we'll do more of this. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Goodbye. Brian, I love you. You're love amazing. You too, man. Love all the listeners. All the love. I'm giving you love. Send us those little hearts. We see it. We love you, too. 
We invite you to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever. Have suggestions, music, or artwork for the show? Want to sponsor our podcast? Find our contact page and links to the items we talked about in this episode at www.mindfulnessofdoom.com. Become a supporter of our podcast at patreon.com slash mindfulnessofdoom and get access to exclusive content that's not on the show. This podcast is recorded in Miami, Florida. It is written, recorded, and edited by Brian Lemmerman and Corey Hardacre. Our music is provided by Pallet Town and Suitcase Music. They can be found at soundcloud.com slash Town and at suitcasemusic.bandcamp.com. All poorly thought out opinions are ours. Nothing you hear in this podcast should be construed as professional medical advice. Go see a therapist, all of you.